0: Before we get to our guest, I wanted to talk to you about something that's really important to me, which is privacy. Moving money around, moving information, sending messages in today's world with web 3.0 coming down the pike, privacy is very critical, especially to a journalist like myself. Utopia P2P is a complete privacy ecosystem. It's a 360-degree approach to privacy. It includes everything you need to move information or value around the world. It includes a encrypted messenger service, an email platform and cryptocurrency payment system. It's fully decentralized, so it's not on any main server. It's based on blockchain, so it's distributed. It has an unmatched level of security. It has a feature-rich toolkit on the system uh, that supports 28 languages, There's a very low barrier to entry, and it also supports Bitcoin and also their coin internally. So if you're looking for a way to move information and money around the world, where you don't want prying eyes uh, looking at what you're doing, go to Utopia P2P and have complete privacy on their system. And now let's get to our guests.
1: So today on American Conversations, we have Ross Mason, who's the founder of Henry, uh, which is a uh, how do we describe it? It's not a 501c3. It's an it's an investment it's philanthropy. Say that again, a Ross. I'm sorry. It's yeah. your
2: philanthropy.
1: Venture philanthropy. And Ross, um, when you founded this, you had certain interests, but you know, you've now uh, have been, your group has been in Afghanistan and with the pullout of Afghanistan last year, you've taken a concerted effort in helping the people of Afghanistan and people that wanted to get out. So explain, explain to the audience again, you know, just a short version of what Henry is. What you and why you guys have t- taken an interest in Afghanistan
2: and what you've done. Henry is an acronym that stands for the High Impact Network of Responsible Innovators. Um, we are bringing a Silicon Valley angel model of investment to philanthropy. So we buy companies, buy businesses to employ vulnerable populations, create brands, products, services that educate consumers. And we take that revenue and support nonprofit initiatives that are innovative. So, in in trying to employ vulnerable populations, we have a partnership uh, with a group called the Aurora Forge. I'm actually the CEO. That's an early stage accelerator. It works with leading health systems across the United States. One of the other co-founders is the CEO of Global Healthcare for Tech Mahindra.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: His name is Ricky Kaplan. The third co founder is Newton Howard. Uh, Newton co founded InQtel, the CIA's venture fund, sold to Google, what's now Google Earth and Translate, and um, has five PhDs and an MD in neurosurgery. Newton New does a tremendous amount of work with the uh, global intelligence community and certainly the US tele- intelligence community. Um, he created something called the Center for Advanced Defense Studies, which is housed in the Secret Service building in Washington. Um, He's an AI expert. He set up the AI lab at Oxford, the computational math lab at MIT, professor also at Georgetown. He identified the the Al-Qaeda threat pre-9-11 for both the Clinton and Bush 43 administrations, and they muzzled him. And the Joint Chiefs got very upset about that, and so they gave Newton a safe harbor clause, and he he created the Center for Advanced Defense Studies. So we're working with friendly uh, national security partners, um, intelligence partners around the world um, and particularly in areas uh, where Christians are being persecuted. So in this case, we were already working on victims of sex trafficking in India uh, through our network there and we do a tremendous amount of work in ending trafficking, which the Obama administration asked us to do. Uh, We went up, we had a two or three days of meetings with half a dozen cabinet secretaries uh, in the Obama administration at the White House.
1: Ross, Um, uh, Ross, I, I have to say this, as somebody who's covered human trafficking for 22 years, nobody's winning this war, even though billions are being spent, the numbers are not going down, they're going up and they're even going up because of COVID. Well, because, right. because people want to want to have a financial survivability for the NGOs, and and they 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 skew their numbers in terms of their success rates in, in a lot of ways, and that's that's been a problem for the 22 years that I've covered it.
2: Well, that I, I couldn't agree more, and it's really more about the sound bites and the appearance of solving something, and spending money is not a solution particularly right. if they're investing the money in corrupt regimes or in non-actors, um, as the Clinton Global Initiative did in Haiti where they raised $500 million to build houses in Haiti and bought, built six houses in five years with $500 million. Uh, that, that, that same thing tragically is happening in trafficking.
1: And it's, uh, and it also happens at the, the Global Fund to End Modern Slavery. It's another global, private, public uh, pay-to-play to say that you're doing something. And in fact, it's not the numbers are not going down because they're not really attacking, nobody's attacking the internet, which is sort of the elephant in the room that facil- facilitates a lot of the trafficking. But, but let's get to Afghanistan. So what were you guys doing in that's Afghanistan? That's
2: why we were in that part of the world. And then when we had the debacle in Afghanistan, we were immediately um, the managing director of the family office that's part of the Aurora Forge Ricky Kaplan's family office, immediately flew into Afghanistan. Um, He spent 90 days, over a two and a half month period on the ground in Afghanistan and Pakistan. And we were working with friendly Middle Eastern and Muslim countries and governments, which was the only way we could get people out, frankly. I won't name names, but using their national airlines, using their intelligence infrastructure, using their special forces because they're Muslim. And we were trying to get out U.S. citizens. We were green card holders, which is almost impossible to get them into the United States. And in this case, what happened was I got a call from a woman who actually had been working with me on anti-trafficking and knew me from that, who lived in Germany. And she just called me out of the blue, hadn't spoken to her in 18 months, and said, Ross, I'm working to get people out. I was praying about this particular woman, and I'm not going to say her name, but I'll tell her, tell you about her background. And I can't get her out. She um, was on the women, she was, on, uh, I'm going to say, a, paral- a special needs athlete. I'm going to say that. I'm not going to be real specific." And they are beheading all the athletes that are female because they believe they shouldn't be participating in sports. And not only that. She and this was, is
1: this, Let's just put the context here historically. This is after <laughs> Biden pulled out from yes. Afghanistan. Yes. After the planes yes. left, they shut down the yes.
2: airport. And so the Taliban had beheaded all of the other athletes they could get their hands on. But in addition to being an athlete, she was a prosecuting attorney for the former government going after terrorists. So she really had her uh, target painted in her chest. We were able to get her out of Afghanistan into another country, but it was still unsafe because of the proximity. And so um, she said, I think you can help this woman. And we were, and she has a spinal cord injury like me. And so um, I I believe we're going to be successful in getting her in our clinical trial here in Atlanta, hopefully, and get her out of her chair. But basically what happened was, um, you know, we got on the phone with the sponsoring couple uh, to try to get this woman out. And again, we had been we could not even get U.S. citizens and greenholders holders we could not get people to work with us to do that. I mean, the fastest they can move with the State Department in an absolute emergency, when somebody's life is being threatened, who helped our uh, forces in Afghanistan in the war, is 18 months. And even if you go through, you know, um, the majority leader or the Speaker of the House, it's six months, it's insane. Um, I mean- Let me just
1: say that you're not the only group that had problems with this, because we hosted an American Conversations Town Hall in Tampa last fall. And been on the, the, the uh, podium, on, on the dais, we had included a number of groups. That, and, and these are, you know, former military, retired military guys who, had, who basically had been in Afghanistan, in the theater, jumped in immediately to get the, the private planes. And they, too, had problems with State Department and DOD in terms of their assistance, even though some of them had actually met with DOD. But later, you know, DOD did not deliver on what they said that they were going to do at the time.
2: Well, we've now taken the position that there are no, no, our, there are no Afghan refugees, and we pressured the UN to do the same thing, which they've done, which is critical. It's a, it's a terrible situation because other governments had already agreed, our allies, that they would take several thousand each, depending on the country, people that we identified as refugees. And we are, discri- we are actively discriminating through our military and on our military bases. We are giving Muslims the Quran and building building mosques for Muslims at US taxpayer expense. But Afghan Christians, they they will not give them the Bible. They are not protecting them from violence and they will not allow them to worship or have a place of worship. So we are actively uh, supporting people, some of whom are terrorists Giving them the Quran, building them mosques, while we allow them in in our compounds to brutalize Christians who we're not protecting, and we will not allow them to protect to exercise their religion freely. It's insane. I mean, so I, what does
1: that what does that tell you about the Biden administration?
2: It is, I mean, it's like the Muslim the philosophy of the Muslim Brotherhood is embedded in our State Department. I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on, but it, I mean, they could not be more aligned with the people that hate, hate us. And we're abandoning our allies and empowering and funding our enemies. I don't understand it. But what happened with this woman, um, we got on the phone with the sponsors and we said, look, we can't get her into the United States, even though she was helping us during the war. Do you want her to be in North Africa, Eastern Europe, Europe, Middle East? Where do you want us to put her while we mess around with the state department and shuffle papers around? And I'm not going to say the country, but they named an Eastern European country. And they said, we've got somebody that's been on the ground there for 25 years. We can take care of everything. Um, Lodging, medical care, caregivers, food, all of it. And I said, well, I know one person from that country let me call them and I called them on uh, their cell phone. I'd met with them in my dining room and that's what we are, the high impact network, responsible innovators. We do nothing but meet with people and say, how can I help you? How can I pray for you? And this is a gentleman who I'd done that with over the years. And I said his name and I said, I think you're in the foreign service for your country. And he goes, yes, I'm our former ambassador to Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, uh, Kyrgyzstan, Georgia, he named several countries mm-hmm. and uh, he's, and I told him the situation. He said, I will sponsor this young woman. I will speak to the president of our country. I will take care of it. But it was extremely difficult even for him. Their country, again, had cleared several thousand refugees. But in the middle of this process, we, did, we then changed course dramatically and said there were no refugees. So, the
1: U.S. you, you, Henry didn't say that the U.S. US
2: government did. So, they were saying, you know, because of our friendship with the U.S., we will take X thousand people that you tell us are refugees, we will give them safe haven here to get them out. So, while you process their paperwork, but in that process, the U.S. government then declared there are no Afghan refugees and got the U.N. to do the same thing. So, it's a
1: well, the Obama, the, the Biden administration, you know, there's a lot of leftovers that have that have come back from the Obama administration into the Biden administration. All right. And there is a problem with the State Department. And it's not just, you know, the the TIP office, the trafficking in persons office that sometimes doesn't always tell tell the truth to to the world. But also the refugee program doesn't say what it is. And I think that the narrative coming out of the uh, the Biden administration after we evacuated was that the reason why they said it was so low, it was just hundreds that were left behind or people that didn't want to get out because, because they couldn't get all of their family out when, when we evacuated. I mean, there were, the narratives were, made a lot of sense if you just want to lie to keep the numbers down. That's but right. the truth of the matter was, that there were um, refugees and planes from foreign governments that went into Afghanistan, took them to the Middle East, took them to the Balkans, took them to Eastern European countries, and ha- have provided from them, whether it be on university campuses or resorts that are on the Adriatic. We, we all know this now. Or, or they're on bases, uh, our bases sometimes overseas. So going through this experience how do you uh, how do you rate how the uh, the biden administration has has taken this on and what do you think that the that you know you're a businessman you want results this woman their policies, is now
2: taking- their policies don't make any sense from a logical standpoint until you start to understand the agenda, which is not in our best interest, quite frankly. it's truly tragic um you know what they the reason they said they're no longer refugees is they didn't want things hitting the press. They'd rather people die that helped us for 20 years and risk their lives. They'd rather just have them beheaded or brutally murdered or killed or tortured than have a bad press story somewhere in these countries you just named, North Africa, the Middle East, Eastern Europe, that have got come out and hear that they can just say, well, there's just no problem. You know, because obviously the Taliban is not going to be holding press conferences and saying, here's how we bl- brutal, brutally murdered this person or that person. But they also have these insidious policies. I just mentioned about But they have a policy. The Obama administration started, which I, the Biden administration has rebooted a policy with our state department where any time the, the largest group of persecuted people for their religious beliefs in the world are Christians. There are almost 300 Christians that are being brutally persecuted all over the world. Yet, our State Department's policy is you cannot give money to support Christians that are being prosec- persecuted unless you match it dollar to dollar to support Muslims. And that is the only religion where there has to be a match. So there's no, there's no, there's no corresponding policy. You can give all the money you want to help Muslims and it doesn't have to be matched at all. But if you're going to have Christians, it doesn't have to be matched with other religions, but you have every dollar you give to help Christians, which are the most persecuted group in the world, you've got to give at least a dollar for to support Muslim causes. We have those kind of policies in our State Department, and it's absolutely insane. And you just, it, you just, you can't believe you're having these kind of conversations Uh, with our our national security and policy and diplomatic leaders. It is insane. I I don't know what else to say about it. It's so one-sided and it's it's just hard to navigate. So what is
1: Henry doing now in terms of Afghanistan?
2: We have boots on the ground with special forces, forces partners, a lot of whom are retired from the US intelligence community. Uh, Middle Eastern governments, again, friendly governments uh, from the Middle East. Um, and we're cycling people in and out. We have safe houses that we're funding. Uh, we are paying for the transportation through our partners uh, into safe countries. I mean, and we're trying. It's tempting. We're trying to stay away from doing things we shouldn't be doing. But it is very tempting. And we thought about it. We did not. I don't think it's the right thing to do. But it'd be very easy partner with Mexican drug cartels, fly them into Mexico and pay them to come across the border, but we're avoiding that. Uh, But it's incredibly expensive to keep these people housed, fed, fed, clothed, and protected. Um, But we are quietly doing that. There are a lot of other, dozens of other wonderful organizations and partners. Franklin Graham is doing a great deal in this area. Um, There's tremendous work quietly being done um, but our government is an obstacle and an impediment, uh, not a partner, in my opinion. So,
1: how are you going to handle that going going in the future?
2: Um, we are we are working with fan- it's a case by case situation in finding um, partners in the United States, and they're appealing to their congressional delegations, their congressmen, their senators, who are very good actors who are applying mm-hmm. pressure to the State Department, who are on the relevant committees and can start yanking budgets or threatening that. Um, we are working, and, and people of both, good, good faith of both parties who genuinely love and care about this country, who are using their office and their influence with different political leaders um, to, on a case-by-case basis with sponsors, get people into this country. Our role, and we help try to make those connections and, and create those, those uh, relationships and pairings and opportunities. But what we're having to focus on in the interim is getting them safe haven in friendly countries um, that despite our uh, reversal on refugees, have Afghan refugees that want to do the right thing. That's our focus, getting them in safe countries uh, where they can wait out our bureaucracy and hopefully we'll have some change of leadership, priority and perspective that will allow these, us to, to bring these people uh, into our country. We have, we're letting in all kinds of criminals and the worst element in the world from Central and South America are just flowing across our border. But many of these people, hundreds of them, thousands of them who risk their lives to help us fight the war on global terror, we're leaving behind.
1: Yeah, that the policy of leaving people behind is is not is not is not who America is. It's a disappointment, if, if, and that that's a that's a nice way of saying it. Ross, please come back and report on us on on the you know the the successes that you have as well as the hurdles that you have to face with Henry for saving the people that helped the U.S. and the, their allies in Afghanistan.
2: Well, thank you, and God bless you. It's a
0: pleasure to be with you today. Thank you, Ross.